What I want to talk to you about in this session that we are calling What Next After an Apprenticeship is a host of opportunities that you have, be it at the end of an apprenticeship, be it after a university or academic course, or to be perfectly truthful, at any point in your future career. Now, we're going to focus here on marketing apprenticeships, but you can read across into all forms of apprenticeship, all forms of studying and of qualification. The key that we're going to talk about as we go through this session is planning. It is about having a very, very clear view or vision as to where your future lies. And I'm going to share with you a number of options that you will have as you go into this, what is a really exciting um, episode of your career, and the choices, the accountability, the responsibility that you have for yourself in making the right, uh, correct, and most resonant um, descriptions um, that you can have for the kind of role that you would seek and dream and aspire to. Now, planning your next career step as you approach this successful conclusion, hopefully of some kind of course or apprenticeship, is both exciting and I do understand daunting as well, because there are just literally so many options available to you. Often it is a little bit disconcerting when you think, I do not know where to start. And of course, having created um, uh, the output from a qualification, you've actually got more tools in your toolkit than you had when you started. So what you've actually done is almost compound that feeling of uh, feeling daunted um, as you've gone through um, achieving um, the qualification that you have. So the key here in terms of planning what next in your career is to really, really carefully self-reflect on what is going to be important. And I'll, I'll kind of come on to that as we go through some of the uh, options and various kind of um, topics uh, around this subject. So it's careful self-reflection. That's really, really key here. Another thing that we're going to be talking about here is leveraging your portfolio, because you have created a portfolio by the fact that you're the very nature that you've actually got to where you are today means that you have a portfolio. So you have a, a body of evidence um, a CV, which is what most people would describe this as, but I'm going to go deep here because you actually have a portfolio by this point. And what this will do is it will enable you to spot those little opportunities for maybe doubling down on something that you're really good at or that really, really works for you personally. Or maybe it could be that you start to specialize in a particular area. So we'll, we'll look into some of these things as we go through this. And what we'll be needing to do here is to create some clear pathway. I mean, people will call this a career plan. I prefer generally to call it a, a career pathway because often when we take a path, it isn't necessarily the absolute definitive path that we will be taking for the rest of that planning period. So if we're looking to create a pathway for the coming years, what we need to do is really kind of have the confidence or at least aiming in basically the right direction. So we might not know the ultimate destination here. So you might not know that particular role or that particular specialism that ultimately you are going to be reaching and achieving. But by at least setting on the right path to begin, it is like almost setting your um, sat-nav, if you like, for your career pathway uh, from this way forward. And, and kind of where you are right here today, in whatever situation, whatever scenario you're in, this is possibly a once-in-a-career opportunity. 
Well, it is really a fundamental stepping stone to the next step. So therefore, by definition, it is important. And of course, each and every time you do this, it never becomes less important. So this is really quite exciting. And you have so many options and, and things available to you. And these are the things that we will be looking at and uh, exploring. So if you have your pen and paper at the ready, your uh, keypad and your fingers ready to type, um, there'll be lots of options here to be capturing some of this information. Now, of course, the, the specifics of this, now I need to talk obviously quite generically because everybody listening to this will be coming from a different perspective. You know, your personal perspective here is very different to everybody else who, who's listening or watching this. And that is exciting in itself because it means there is something very unique about the options that you have based on your portfolio, the way that you're thinking, the preferences that you have, the sector that you might have created that portfolio in, and also, of course, the training that you might have just completed. So having this kind of almost unique um, sort of set of ingredients, if you like, allows you to create a recipe that is very unique to you. So please do not at this stage feel beholden to the organization that you're working in or for. Um, do not think that you need to be constrained through any financial uh, reasons or anything like that. Let's just keep a very open mind at this stage. Now, what I'm not trying to do is to get you to have a career change. I'm not trying to move you away from your existing employer. That is not the idea here. The idea here is to say, well, OK, what if? So what if I was to take what I prefer, my preferences? What if I was to take the things that I'm really good at, the things that I love doing? What if I was to take the specific skills, the training that I've just achieved and put it into a mix and see what options I've got? That is what we're looking to do here. So we're not looking to um, begin with any kind of you know, predetermined outcome. We're looking here to take off the blinkers, to think creatively, to reflect and to just explore what the options are going forward. So first option you might have here is a permanent employment. So you could be securing a full time position with the same company continuing in the same role that you had during your apprenticeship or your studies. OK, and it may well be that you're on a fixed term contract right now. So there is a defined period of time in which you need to make a decision. And maybe you're feeling that, you know, the opportunities are there. You know, the, there's a right cultural fit with the current employment that I'm in. And actually, all I need to do is just be a little bit more open and honest to my employer about where I see my pathway going. And therefore, hopefully opening up a load of opportunities for further training, for further personal development development, for maybe shadowing in particular areas or particular teams within your organization that will give you this kind of continued growth. And it could well be that that feels a good thing. So what we're not looking for here necessarily is some kind of revolution in your career. Actually, what you're doing is you're going to be crafting a, a pathway within the current employment that you have, but we're going to make this a little bit more permanent. I mean, when people talk about permanent jobs, Permanent is really only with a small P. It's not with a, an uppercase P here because the world is your oyster, as we'll explore a little bit more uh, in a moment. So even though we might sort of describe this as permanent employment, it is as permanent as you would like it to be. 
So that is about, again, opening up the opportunity to maybe start to create a little bit of a plan here to explore how you're going to develop in the current role and the kinds of things, the kinds of resources and the people that you need to surround yourself with to build this career pathway going forward. The second option that you might have available to you is promotion. So you might be looking to pursue a high level role or maybe a more specialized position within the same organization. So rather than think, OK, I just need to secure the permanent role that was a fixed term contract. So I need to kind of solidify to make sure they're committing to me. You might actually think, well, do you know, I think I am ready. I think I've got this body of evidence in my portfolio. I think I've got the strengths and the skills, and I've certainly made the connections as I've been going through this apprenticeship. So therefore, I'm now in a position to pursue a high level role. So I'm going to look around the organization. And even if there is nothing available right now, I'm going to make it super clear to everybody involved, particularly my my line manager and probably my line manager's line manager if you're in a larger organization that actually I'm looking for this kind of role going forward and being very self-confident and accountable for that communication is key do not sit back and think okay well I've done what I can I'm just going to go through the motions now in my job if you feel the time is right and or you have aspirations for a promotion and this isn't just about asking for a pay rise. This is actually about putting a credible plan together for how, when and why you're going to be able to add more value to the organization in a more senior role. So there are ways and means of doing this. And it is about careful communication, careful self-reflection and just making sure that you're doing this at the right time for the right reasons. And as I say, it isn't probably just to get a pay rise. This is something that will need to add value on both sides of the equation as part of this pathway to continuous development. Another thing you might consider here is a job rotation. So you're skilled in a particular area. Maybe your skills are very specialist skills so that, you know, you become the go to person uh, within the organization for, for the particular thing that you do. And now it could be time because it feels the right time and you feel motivated to do this and inspired to do so that it could be time to explore different roles within this same organization. So this isn't about you know, moving elsewhere. This isn't about you know fundamental change. It might be that you look to maybe blend in with another kind of role, or you're looking to gain a broader experience and identify maybe a slightly different career path within the same organization. And again, this is about communicating very, very clearly. If you have uh, an HR or talent development um, sort of contact uh, within the organization, then that would be a good conversation to have with them as well as with your existing line manager. And potentially once you've done that, also with others in other departments. So exploring what different options are available to you. And as I say, it doesn't have to be something that you are going to move into a fundamentally different role. It could be a blended opportunity that you have, which takes you maybe part-time into a, another role. And then part-time is the role that you're very familiar with and that could be a, a nice transition uh, for both you and for the uh, the colleagues around you so job rotation and it doesn't have to be 
on a permanent basis, permanent with a lowercase p. Um, this could be done for um, maybe shadowing for a particular project or a particular period of time. So if there is something that as you've gone through the apprenticeship has kind of whetted your appetite and you thought, you know, actually, when I was in that team meeting and we were talking about that particular role and I just kind of felt there was something that was drawing me to it, felt quite lifted by that and thought, hmm, might, might want to explore that a little bit more. I'm curious. Then now could be the time to maybe broach that subject and shadowing, job rotation, maybe job sharing could be an interesting option for you. So bear that in mind. This might not be crystal clear. This could be something that is a little bit more blended than you've had before. And again, as we're looking to continuously build our portfolios for the rest of our career, this could be a very powerful option available to you. Now, of course, it might be that you do all of those activities and those uh, pieces of research and you look inside the organization and there isn't really anything that is feeling or sounding or looking quite right. So it might be that right here, right now, feels the time to change companies. So the option that you could have here, and this would probably be the simplest option if you're looking to change organizations, is to apply for a similar role within a different employer. OK, now this could be within the same sector. And again, that could be an easier option because, you know, a lot of employers would, would be looking for the skill set uh, from a competing organization, not necessarily to, to pick your brains about what's going on strategically. There's obviously... Uh, you know, sensitivities there in terms of commercial confidence, in terms of sharing stuff from your previous employer with a new employer. But what we might be looking at here is that we could be actually broadening out, not just into, you know, different work environments or different company cultures, but maybe an organization of a very different size um, or and or in a very different sector or in a very different um, region or area of your country. It could be that you're looking for a fundamental change. You want to tick the boxes on changing everything. So if you're in a profit generating commercial organization, you want to move to a not-for-profit or a charity. If you're working in government, for example, you might want to um, go and start working within a startup organization. Or if you've always worked in big corporates, you want to go and work for a micro business. You know, there's a lot of options here when you change companies to really think this through. You know, it's it's not about just thinking, right, where's the job title that resonates with the job title that I've got now? This is actually about fundamentally searching for the right mix. So really doing your research, really spending some quality time reflecting on what is it actually that I want to be doing in the next maybe one or two steps on my career path? And what kinds of organizations, size, style, culture, tone of voice, what would the ones um, that I'm looking for actually do on my career goal, or my career path, and then start to then research if there are opportunities here now to, to aim for those. Now, it might be you look at them and you think, oh, I found a few organizations, but they're actually not recruiting for somebody who's got my portfolio. So therefore, I might need to just take a watching brief and you know continue to kind of monitor them because sure enough, at some point they will be recruiting. Um, so it might be that there's a time factor that comes into play here. So patience is 
um, a huge superpower when it comes to what next after an apprenticeship or after um, being in a particular role for a, a set amount of time. So being patient, being um, not overly cautious, but just being considered. I think that's probably a sensible word to use, being considered. Um, so if you are looking to change companies, you're not looking to just jump. That's the key here. You're looking to make a conscious, mindful choice or choices and then weigh up your options once you've actually you know, made those connections with them. Now, of course, having done that, you might have a look around and you might think, hmm, actually, what I do need is, is a lot more variety. I do need a lot more kind of exposure to different environments. And then actually tie myself down to one organization in one sector, in one region, in one country of one certain style might not be the best thing for me. So what are my other options? Well, certainly freelance or contract work could be very, very interesting. So maybe now is the time to offer your services, your portfolio, the value that you can bring as an independent contractor, which would allow you then to take on projects and or clients that align with your skills and interests. So you could, if you're feeling really drawn into maybe these um, sustainable um, sort of industry sustainability you could be looking there or maybe if there's a, a particular market sector you think oh, I'd really like to take on some clients in that sector because I've always been fascinated by that or maybe you're looking to branch out into a new specialism and actually what you've done is you've identified as going through the apprenticeship that there is a particular skill that you have that you've identified adds a little bit of value because not many people can do it or not many people are as good as you are at it. So then the, the the option then of going freelance and doing contract work. Now, a lot of people think of freelance and contract work as being a temporary fix. Well, you've got a, you've got a choice here. You know, it's only as permanent or as temporary as your pathway that you're crafting here determines. If you decide, I'm going to spend the next six months or the next 18 months or however long you decide doing freelance or contract work, one, to become a bit more independent, two, to get exposure to certain things that I couldn't get if I was tied into one role, three, to build up actually my portfolio, because I know then if I'm client facing, which I haven't been before, maybe suddenly if I'm client facing, I find, well, actually, it's more a business development kind of thing that I enjoy. And then maybe that opens up things like agencies or something like that for you. So being really, really open and a bit creative, really, with the options available as freelance or contract work could be for some people a very exciting option. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean starting up your new, biz uh, new business. This doesn't necessarily mean you have to use the word entrepreneur in your um, job title or anything like that. Freelance or contract work can be as simple as those terms suggest, where you're taking on short-term contracts, you're working under your own name, your own brand, in effect, for a short period of time. Some people find that they absolutely love freelance or contract work, and particularly with the technologies available, you are able, in theory, should your clients uh, allow this, um, or it works uh, for both parties, um, to work from any time, any place, 
anywhere in any time zone. So if that fits with what you're looking to achieve on your career pathway, then timing could be very, very real for you right now. So certainly think again about the kind of specialist services or, you know, things that you have that make you a little bit different. And if there's something there that you think, "Mm, this could open some doors, then go and explore. And also talk to others who have done this. You know, a lot of us are maybe one or two connections away from somebody who is freelancing or contract or doing contract work right now. So it could be a friend of the family, it could be a colleague or a peer, or it could be somebody who, you know, is working right next to you right now who happen to have done this in the past so sign them out and see what kind of options and what kind of things that they've enjoyed as well as some of the challenges because freelance or contract work just by its nature will have quieter times somebody once described it to me as being the world of feast and famine you know you can be feasting one week and then you're in famine the next week so there there are ways of dealing with it and handling it but if this sounds exciting rather than really daunting go and have a little play and talk to some people Now, of course, if you want to take that on the next step, you could consider starting a business. You know, most businesses fail in the first 12 months, but that is no reason for you not to give it a go. One of the most powerful things that you can probably ever do within your career is see what it's like to own, set up, run and manage and try and develop and grow a business because the skills that you will have there the people skills, the networking skills, the financial skills, all of the things that go into running a business, be it a micro business, which might just be you, you might be the business, but it's an entity in itself that you register, maybe as a limited company, for a whole variety of different reasons, starting a new business could be very exciting. And now might be the time. And particularly if, again, you can be able to utilize the skills and experiences gained during your apprenticeship, you could launch a new venture or you could join an existing startup. So maybe you go in with a friend or a colleague or somebody who's looking to invest in a new business and they happen to be a family friend and they're willing to put up some capital just to get you started. Well, this is an option that you have available to you. Um, Having a great idea or having just a good idea um, is obviously really key here. But a business doesn't have to be the next big thing. Starting a new business could be something really quite simple and maybe just one step on in the process of being freelance or doing contract work. But if you have a particular product or service idea or maybe some sort of technological solution that really needs a business entity as a wrapper around it, then now could be a very, very exciting point in your career where you think, you know, I know enough to get this thing off the ground with a little help from my friends and colleagues and family. I could do this. And certainly the phrase bootstrapping a startup, in other words, trying to create that um, as an entity on very, very low budget, if no budget at all, which, again, is still possible, Um, but actually creating a, a full business entity. So using all of the planning and skills that you've actually gained through the apprenticeship, but putting it in to practice in the real world for yourself, creating something that potentially could grow in the future. And again, if this fits with your lifestyle and it fits where you are, because you've kind of feel like you've maybe been there, seen it and done it, you now really want to push yourself to the next stage. Now could be the time for doing that. So starting a business, another option that you have at this stage in your career. It might, <coughs> excuse me, um, it might be that you decide Further education is the option. Actually, I don't want to start a business. I don't want to do contracting. 
actually what I want to do is I want to pursue an additional qualification. So some some form of certification, a diploma, even a degree, I might do some postgraduate thing or something like that to enhance skills. And particularly if it's like specializing in a niche area or switching to a related field. So it might be that having done a marketing apprenticeship, for example, you're particularly interested in the financial and the planning side of things. And you decide you're going to go on and do an accountancy degree or a whole host of other different options open up to you. Now, it could be further education to you means that you're working part time and you're doing uh, another qualification on the side. Or it could be you decide having done one apprenticeship, you're going to go up to the next level of that same style of apprenticeship or cross across into another apprenticeship, which is different, but related to what you've just done. There are many, many options available to you for this. And this, again, could be very exciting when it comes to maybe taking the few next steps are in terms of building the portfolio with a view to doing some of the things we just talked about at a later point. So do you see where I'm going with this? This is about not necessarily just making a binary ones and zeros, yes and no decision to any of these options. Maybe this is about thinking of it as pieces of a jigsaw where you're taking all of these individual pieces and you're saying, okay, I need a little bit more education. So I'm going to, for the next six months, do this short certified course in this particular topic with a view then for another six months to maybe doing a, a piece of freelance work. So I'm going to work them for six months. And then I'm looking for a role in this particular sector. And the role is going to be a specialist area like this. So what you're doing is you're crafting these various steps as you go. So this is a kind of a pick and mix approach. So it's not just saying, here's my next step. It's saying, what are the future steps that I'm looking for? Um, and it could be two, three, four, even more of those. Another thing that could also be very, very interesting here is to think about what you could give back. And this is something that applies to all levels. Okay, Often when we think of mentoring, I'm just going to use mentorship as, as an example here. Um, we think of mentors as being you know, wise sages who have you know, had 100 years experience in a particular discipline. But that simply isn't true. Mentoring can be at any level at all. And it might be that you decide, actually, what I'm going to do after I've completed this apprenticeship is I'm going to enroll myself on this part-time evening course to do this. I'm going to stay with my current employer, but I'm going to see if we can actually craft a career development plan so that in 12 months time, I'm working in this particular role. But in the meantime, to give a little back, I'm going to actually be offer myself up as a mentor. So this could be I'm going to be a mentor within my same company to maybe more junior people or even people at the same kind of level, but in a different area of the business. And I'm going to share my knowledge and expertise. I mean, it could be that if you're completing an apprenticeship, you become a mentor for a new apprentice or a new employee, and you become part of the organization's onboarding process. I mean, think what that would do for your credibility. Think what that would do for your, um, you know, credence, if you like, and think what that's what that would do in terms of your portfolio. 
Because what a difference that would make if you were going for another role. And um, they said, well, what makes you different to all the other people who've applied for this role? And you could actually add in, well, you know, I mentor and it's a voluntary mentorship as well. You know, I I offer my skills and time, you know, to these uh, particular people on a monthly basis. And we have a catch up and I'm helping them develop their careers. I mean, how a differentiator could you get? I mean, that would be so powerful. And you could even take that on to the next level if you found that over time you became a really, really well-qualified mentor. You could then actually do maybe some training or maybe you could do some kind of um, educational facilitation in the specialist areas that you know. So it gets really interesting when you start to explore this. And, And please do remember that I did say it doesn't matter what level you are. So if you are very senior and you've got a lot of experience, years and years of wisdom, then yes, of course, you could be a mentor. But even if you are very, very junior and you think, well, I've only got like 12, 18 months worth of experience here as I end this apprenticeship or this particular qualification, what am I going to be able to offer? Well, the fact is you have done that. The fact is you have your unique perspective on life. You have your unique perspective on your journey. And even sharing that, the ups and downs, the positives and negatives, the way you overcame some of the adversity as you took that journey, that is the stuff that, you know, is the stuff that dreams are made of when it comes to, you know, the mentee, because they love to hear that they are not the guinea pig in this journey. They're not the only person who's ever done this, but there have been people before them as well. So mentorship is a really interesting thing that you can do. And what it does, it opens up another option for you, which is networking. Now, this is something that after an apprenticeship, or in fact, any qualification, and to be fair, at any level and at any time in your career is absolutely vital. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were saying, you know, when I apply for jobs, um, you know, what is the most useful thing? Is, is it the experience? Is it kind of, you know, the the, um, the knowledge and stuff that I've got? Is it my CV? And I said, you know, no, not really. It's the people you're connected with. I said, because most of the roles, most of the very best roles actually aren't actually advertised at all. So if you are part of maybe your industry association, maybe you've been to conferences and workshops, you know, you've got a great LinkedIn profile. You really have to have a great LinkedIn profile after an apprenticeship or any qualification because people are going to be checking you out. They are going to be looking at the skills and knowledge that you've got. They are going to be wondering, okay, I want to go a little bit deeper into this person. What are they about? So actually being part of a community, networking, being connected with professionals, you are able then to explore new opportunities and, of course, stay informed about industry trends. One of the dangers of coming out of any kind of qualification is it was only as good as at the moment that you actually got the qualification because a week later, potentially it's out of date. You know, new things have come in. We only need to look at some of the stuff that's emerged, you know, earlier this year and is now kind of really mainstream stuff, which didn't really exist last year to know that this world is moving very quickly. I mean, it's accelerating the speed of change and the pace of trying to keep up with this. But being part of a network or networks enables you to spot the next opportunity. It enables you to be current, relevant and informed. It enables you to be connected and to spot where the next connection is going to add some value to your career path going forward. So if you're not part of any form of networking, and as soon as I use the word networking, I know that some of you will be thinking, oh, no, that means I've got to be really proactive and really extrovert and kind of get out there. 
well, trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. You know, I am a really, really devout introvert and it is not my preference to be out there networking. Yeah, I love taking the stage. I love doing podcasts and webinars and interviewing people. But actually, in my heart of hearts, I am an introvert. So therefore, networking doesn't come naturally to me. So it is about practice. And so if you're feeling, oh, Neil, why did you have to mention the networking word? Then I totally get it. But if you do, trust me, if you do practice this and if you do do it on your terms, you know, you don't have to jump full in straight away. But the value that you will see. And I would always say that, you know, certainly since I created my marketing consultancy some sort of 18 years ago, I would say that probably about 80 percent of the uh, connections and new business and new clients that I found in that time have come from some form of networking where they were a tier two or tier three person. So not somebody I've known for a long time. They've come through a connection of a connection. So after an apprenticeship, it is absolutely vital to begin that networking. And you can do networking with a small lowercase n. It doesn't have to be big, full on stuff, but just being connected is absolutely vital. So figure out what you feel comfortable with. And if it is just about being active on LinkedIn, well, there's a start. But I'm also talking about real world connection as well. So conferences, um, exhibitions, events and workshops. You do not know who you're going to be sat next to next. So uh, there's a big opportunity for you there. And also remembering as well to contribute to any alumni that you have been part of. So if you've come out of university or you're coming through an apprenticeship, looking back into the alumni, maximizing the long-term value of the networking connections that you made within the apprenticeship by keeping in regular contact in the future. So if you've had tutors, if you've had you know people you've resonated with, it's you know diary in some connections to keep in touch. People like to keep in touch with their alumni. They do. It is a great way of forging relationships, not only to see where people go in a slightly semi-competitive way, but because uh, we're all curious, aren't we? Let's face it. But also to really open up those, those opportunities, because it might be that somebody who was you know, on the same course as you or had similar interests to you, or you, you just happened to bump into them in one of the drop-in sessions, and it was like, yeah, I really resonate with that person. Yeah, they're really good. Well, let's just grab a, a virtual coffee or maybe a real world coffee and just kind of catch up and see what you're doing and you know maybe we could work together and then who knows maybe even the next big startup came from that but keeping in touch with your old connections is really key so it does require you to take and make a little bit of effort here but again the options for your career pathway going forward will be broader if you network and if you contribute to the alumni and of course, you could also volunteer. Now, this is one of those slightly more contentious things because everybody knows they could, should be doing volunteer work. But for most of us, we're super busy. Um, time seems to pass ever faster. Um, but if you've got skills and expertise that you could offer to maybe community organizations or nonprofits, charities or social causes, well, one, this is going to build your experience, maybe in a, an area that you weren't quite so familiar with. So it adds to your portfolio, but also at the same time, it could make a positive social community or environmental impact. So this is all about kind of trying to figure out when you're self-reflecting, do I want my career path 
the next steps that I take after an apprenticeship to be something that is all about the financials. It's all about the job title. It's all about, hey, you know, I'm, I'm this particular person in this particular organization. Or actually, do you want to blend that with a more purpose or value driven approach so that you start to give back a little bit whilst you're kind of taking from the commercial environment? So an interesting little one there. And again, this might not be for you right here, right now. You might decide, yeah, okay, Neil, that sounds good, but really got the space and the uh, time or the energy to do that right now. But thanks for mentioning it, because I know at some point in the future, I probably will. So even if it was a kind of micro volunteering, so maybe once every quarter, well, that would be a lot better than zero. So play around with that idea, put that one into the mix and see if it resonates. And particularly if there's an area of skill or expertise that you don't have and that you think it would be unlikely you could be paid to get, well, then volunteering to get that experience and those skills could be the way in to do it, because that would be at least as valuable to any potential employer seeing that if they know you've really put in those extra yards off your own back and in your own time to be able to get those qualifications. And of course, I said a little earlier that you know a lot of what we're talking about here has no real boundaries because of technology. So one of the options that potentially you have after an apprenticeship is international, um, seeking job opportunities in other countries or with multinational organizations. Global experience, broad cultural understanding is huge in the current marketplace, particularly if you're looking to find new clients or you're looking to work within a quite a diverse um, organization or big corporate, then having the understanding of what it is like to work across cultures, work across international boundaries is really, really interesting, exciting and quite challenging at times. But also the big thing about that is it could open up travel opportunities that would otherwise be quite restricted for you. Um, and with hybrid working, remote working, there is no reason why you couldn't be, if you wanted to, applying for roles the other side of the world. Again, you need to be quite happy with the time zone working. And for some people that wouldn't work. So there's a lot of factors to consider here. But it is an opportunity to put into the mix. Maybe it's not now. Maybe it's five years time, 10 years time. Who knows? But just remembering that, you know, there shouldn't really be limitations on you. This is you taking accountability for your world, for your options and the choices that you can make going forward. And it could be that when you measure up all those things and you evaluate all of that, you think, OK, yeah, I'm feeling it, Neil. Yeah, it's quite good. There's a, there's a nice little mix there. I can see some stuff that I'd want to do in three, four, five years time. But right here, right now, I want to take a break. And that is an option available to you after an apprenticeship. You could take a short break and you can define what short, short is. Um, you could break from work to travel, pursue personal interests, or simply just recharge before the next career move. You know, if you factor this in as part of your plan, if you feel that, you know, you can justify it, if you feel that it would add value and would actually bring something to your portfolio, just by the very nature of the kind of break that you're going to be taking. And again, you could mix this with other things. Maybe the short break is to do freelance work as you travel or to volunteer somewhere that you wouldn't otherwise necessarily have the space or time to do, or you simply just want to head to the beach. You know, this is your world. This is your life. This is your reflection and it's your career pathway. So it is an option to you and as the next step after your apprenticeship. 
And it is important really to be thinking about the blending of your goals, your interests, and your objectives. And try, if you can, as you think about all these options that are available to you, not to get too swayed by others. Everybody, if you talk to people, they will all have an opinion. That could be your parents, your friends, your partner. Everybody around you will have an opinion on what is best for you as your next step after an apprenticeship. But it's your next step. So put things into the mix. Enjoy this process because it should be an enjoyable process. You know, you've worked hard to get to where you are today. Yeah, it hasn't been all plain sailing. There have been bumps in the road, but the next few steps are going to be really exciting and really positive. So you've got to be mixing your interests, so things that you love doing, with what you're good at, with the goals that you have with some way of kind of being rewarded doesn't necessarily have to be just purely financial. There's lots of other ways you could um, see value in the things that you do and the time that you spend. So to summarize, my tips for you to take the next steps after an apprenticeship is to make sure that you update your personal portfolio, make sure that you're sharing this with the right people, you keep it up to date, because this is a portfolio that you are going to continuously keep up to date throughout your career, if you're going to do well on this stuff. Showcase the highlights and welcome the gaps. The highlights are great because that's your showreel, but welcome the gaps because those could be the things that are just flagging themselves up as the next big opportunity to fill. So gaps aren't a negative. Gaps are things that you could be requesting help with or looking to do or educate yourself in. Reflect and consider all your next step options. You know, I've, I've whizzed through all of these different options available to you. Probably you can think of some others as well. But these are the key things that are in this mix, this set of ingredients that can create this amazing new uh, recipe for you. So reflect and consider all of them. Don't write them off and think, oh, that's not me. Just think about it for a while. Reflect, sit with it, meditate on it, just ponder it. Think about short, medium and long term goals as well. Some of the stuff in the short term might be necessitated by the fact that you need a certain amount of money or the current life situation that you're in. Um, the medium term and the longer term goals, though, those are different. Those are things that can really kind of, I, I, I guess, be a little bit more aspirational, a little bit more dreamlike. Um, so there is a short term reality, but it's tempered with these medium and longer term goals. Um, and don't say no. Keep asking the question, what if? And then just keep those options open to you. And then once you put all those things in there, feel, feel your way through them, which make you feel lifted, which options, opportunities, goals for you make you feel lifted and which make you feel a little bit more drained or a little bit heavier, because it's the ones that make you feel lifted that need to be the ones that get your attention. And then prioritize the top three. Shouldn't be a particularly bad exercise to do, should it? Because this is the best stuff. And then identify your number one option. Just sit with your top three and just see which one is looking at you with that little cheeky grin. And it's looking at you because it, it knows you're the next option. And that's the one that you're going to then really pick up and then explore. Doesn't mean you're necessarily going to do it. Remember, we're still planning the options here as to what next after an apprenticeship. But by identifying one that you're going to double down on and really research into and then see how that feels and see, is this in your head and heart or are you doing this to please others? That's a key question. So when you're critiquing this number one option, this number one next step that you're going to take, is this for you or is it for others? 
and be honest with yourself, because if it's for others, you're not going to enjoy it as much as you would as if it's for you. So make sure you're thinking it in your head that, yeah, I could do this. And then you're feeling it in your heart that, yeah, I want to do this. In fact, I'd love to do this. That is so much more powerful, engaging and immersive for you than if you're doing it simply to tick a box that actually somebody else set for you. And then what we need to do is turn the dream into a goal. So create a smart timeline that says, okay, here's my number one option. I'm going to do this as my next step. And here's all the things that go into making that up. And actually now I'm going to put a timeline to it. Because if you don't put a timeline to this stuff, it's just dreams. And how many people do you know who've got dreams that are never going to be fulfilled? And you know those people and bless them. They just haven't got it yet, but you have. So you can turn your dreams into goals just by putting a timeline, smart timeline, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound set of objectives against those goals to hit that number one option that you've selected. And then importantly, coming back to give a little nod to this networking thing, list out to achieve this number one option, list out who you need to support you in developing and rolling out this plan. Okay. Cause it is a plan now because you've got goals. It is a plan because you've got some longer term aspirations. It is a plan because you've prioritized it. So who do you need around you to support you? And it could be different people at different times, but how exciting is this? You've taken control. You've surrounded yourself with some resources. This is something driven by both your head and your heart. And the final key point that I want to say on this one is start now. 